This is Laura Lummer, the Breast Cancer Recovery Coach. I'm a healthy lifestyle coach, a clinical Ayurveda specialist, a personal trainer, and I'm also a breast cancer survivor. In this podcast, we talk about healthy thinking and mindfulness practices, eating well, moving your body for health and longevity, and we'll also hear from other breast cancer survivors who have re-engaged with life and have incredible stories to share. This podcast is your go-to resource for getting back to life after breast cancer. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Breast Cancer Recovery Coach Podcast. I am your host, Laura Lummer. I am thrilled that you are listening to the show today and you're going to learn some really cool stuff. I'm super excited about this show because we're going to be talking with Lee Naviscus, who is the medical director and owner of the Beverly Hills Rejuvenation Center in Chino Hills, California. And she is an amazing, talented, educated wealth of knowledge on taking care of our skin. And so I'm gonna jump more into that in a minute, but I wanna remind you before we get into it that for the month of October, so I think when this podcast comes out, there'll be eight or nine days left, I'm not sure. And the sugar challenge, my five-day sugar challenge is free for the entire month of October. So go to my website, thebreastcancerrecoverycoach.com forward slash sugar. You will get access to the member area where there are videos and worksheets. You'll get access to the Facebook group for other survivors who are in the sugar challenge. And it's a very mindful approach to the food choices you make to help you really get an understanding of how these food choices align with the person that you are and how you can work on getting them a little more aligned if they're not exactly where you want to be. So I'd love to offer this gift to you through the month of October. I hope you take advantage of it. Thebreastcancerrecoverycoach.com forward slash sugar. Okay, so in the spirit of inspiration for this month and keeping all of us survivors excited and forward thinking, this show is about something that it's really important to me and I hear a lot from the women that I work with about how important it is to them. And that is our appearance, our skincare, the way the outside of our body presents itself to the world and how we feel about that because I know, again, for myself and for so, so many women I know, whether they're survivors or not, it's important to us that the way we look on the outside represents the way we want to present ourselves to the world. And that doesn't mean you've got to be all dolled up every minute of the day. It means that you need to look at yourself and think, yeah, I'm happy presenting myself to the world like this. And from my own experience, I found that chemotherapy had a big impact on that hormone treatment steroids they all had a big impact on it they changed the coloring and the texture of my skin and you'll hear a little bit about it in the show but one thing that dramatically changed when I went through chemotherapy was that space under my eyes just sunk and I think that was a process of the whole dehydration and kind of fat loss or collagen loss in the skin as you're going through breast cancer treatment but it really really bothered me It was something that when I looked at, I thought, I look old and I look tired and that's not how I feel. And I don't want to look a way that I don't feel. It just didn't line up with me, right? I didn't look at it and go, oh, you're so ugly or judge myself. I just went, to me, that just doesn't look like the person I feel that I am. But I didn't 
know what to do about it. I didn't want to have plastic surgery. I didn't want to have a facelift. And so it was something that just bothered me. And as you hear in the show, my mom said to me, oh, you just look so much like grandma now, her mother. And I was like, isn't that what everybody wants to hear? You look like your grandma. And that's what I felt like. So I was so excited when I went to a medical spa to get a consultation about what I could do with, I had hyperpigmentation, like red spots and brown spots on my face that I think were a result of hormone change. And of course of aging and, you know, just sun exposure. I've lived in Southern California my whole life, but the hyperpigmentation was exacerbated a lot by my treatment and I didn't like it. You know, I wanted to, especially because in the work that I do, I'm in front of people a lot and I'm on camera a lot. I want to look the way I wanted to look, right? So I went to get a consultation on what I could do for this hyperpigmentation in my skin. And that is when I met and fell in love with the amazing Lee Naviscus. She is such an incredible soul and I don't mean just because of her talent which is mind-boggling her knowledge which is mind-boggling but just a gentle sweet woman who really wants to do things that make you happy things that feel good about yourself and her knowledge is what just blew me away and when I sat in the chair to get a consultation on my skin and she began asking me about the things that bother me and I told her about how much my eyes bothered me she says oh we can take care of that and I was thrown thrown back for a sec you can take care of that you could fix that oh yeah and she explained to me how it could be fixed and I asked her of course about safety she explained everything to me and I felt completely confident and secure in what she did and I said right now I didn't come for that but I want it right now and she did and she put uh, this filler underneath my eyes that just filled in that hollowness that made me feel like you know the crypt keeper And I was so happy. I was so happy. You know, it's like getting a fantastic new makeup that you love and going, oh, it's just such great coverage or such a great color. I mean, I felt so good about wearing it afterwards and about the improvements that she made. And from that point forward, I just continue to see Lee to manage my skincare, my healthy aging, my preservation of my skin. And I am so excited to share her knowledge with you. Now, I want to point out that this is not something that's for everybody. I get it. There are a lot of people who are resistant to things like injectables, and that's totally fine. So in this show, we're going to cover a whole range of things from fillers to Botox, to facials, to lasers. And as incredible as it is, another bit of information I did not know is how some of these injectables and laser treatments can be used to help with vaginal atrophy and to relieve some of that pain that so many breast cancer survivors suffer from. So don't tune out because you think, eh, I don't want to hear about this injectable thing. There's a lot in here that is not about injectables, vitamin therapies. I mean, we cover a huge range of treatments that can be done at a medical spa. And you might just hear something that resonates with you and gives you some direction on something that makes you feel better about yourself. As we talk about in the show, there's a lot of truth to the whole look good, feel good. And there are some things that we can't change after breast cancer that we have to learn to live with and accept, but there are a lot of options you may not be aware of, I certainly was not aware of, that we do have some power to change if it's something that will help us to just feel better about our own presentation. 
So a little more about Lee before I jump into it. I told you she's the medical director and the owner of the Beverly Hills Rejuvenation Center in Chino Hills, Southern California. It is a medical spa. Lee is a nurse practitioner. She's a board-certified critical care registered nurse, and she has years and years of experience in trauma and acute care. And one of the things that impressed me most about Lee from the very first time I met her is her fascinating grasp of anatomy. And to listen to her talk about what is going on in your face and what will help and what won't help and things that you can do to slow the process of aging and maintain that healthy look that you like to have on your face. She is completely dedicated to continuous learning and she travels around the world to continue to increase her knowledge, to stay on top of the newest technology and tools that are available to master her craft as a master injector. And she's one of those people you could just sit and listen to in awe for hours. And she not only travels around the world to train in these newest techniques and innovations, but people travel all around the country to come to her and train with her because she is so talented and so experienced and so educated. So without any further ado, I am going to let you hear from the amazing Lee Naviscus. Welcome, Lee, and thank you so much for joining us on the Breast Cancer Recovery Coach Podcast. I am super excited that you're here today. Thank you for having me, Laura. So let's just jump right into it and talk about what really happens to someone's skin when they're going through chemotherapy. Like what are the common changes that you see and what are some of the things that can be done to help with that? So during chemo, as well as radiation um, and some of the drugs that the women are placed on, um, I'm seeing that the skin is a little bit more friable, a little bit thin, um, as well as it's more susceptible to being irritated by products that maybe they weren't sensitized to before. Also, there's some discoloration um, in their skin, some a bit uh, more pigment, some a kind of a grayish tinge to the skin. Um, and it's not just external, it's also um, if you want to talk about later on about some of the vaginal tissue changes, mm-hmm. um, there's that as well. And there, we have, I, I believe, in a holistic approach um, and doing things conservatively to address all the issues that may concern a woman about her, the changes in her body uh, due to these treatments. So what does that mean when you're saying to approach it holistically and conservatively? Like what kinds of treatments would you start with? Well, I always start with a good skincare regimen, just depending on what stage they're at with the chemo and or radiation. Mm-hmm. Um, things that are more protective of the skin barrier, uh, <laughs> things that don't exfoliate the skin um, too harshly. Uh, also things that are very, um, that don't have fragrance or too much um, anything added into it like color and things that are just very protective and gentle on the skin to support the skin's natural barrier function. As far as holistic, um, I treat from inside out, um, just depending on what stage they're at and what they'd like, what they'd like their end goals to um, look like. 
So for me, I went through chemotherapy, which I felt changed my skin dramatically. And one of the things that happened to me, I felt was my eyes got sunken, like the little space underneath my eyes just kind of hollowed out and sunk in. And my mom would say to me, oh my gosh, you look so much like my mother now. And I would think, Awesome. <laughs> I, want, I want to look like my grandma. That's fantastic. And you know, I'm sure she meant her memories of her mom when her mom was younger. And she'd say, right. beautiful. It's my the story I'm telling myself is, oh, great. I look like my old sickly grandma. <laughs> you know, you're gorgeous. Oh my gosh. So, well, thank you. But the point being that it's, you know, when we come out of it, there's different things that bother different people. Some people may mm-hmm. not bothered by a little bit of wrinkles. Some people might not be bothered by feeling like their eyes are sunk in or their changes to their skin. I had a lot of discoloration on my face, like um, hyperpigmentation as well. So for me, when I first met you and you told me that that could be fixed, I was so excited and so happy that that was even a treatment that could be done. And yet a lot of women, especially coming out of breast cancer, I think it's a great thing that you said you like to approach it holistically and treat from the inside out first because there's a lot of fear around injecting something into their body right, right. so when it comes to things like fillers botox people say oh my gosh you're injecting poison into your skin what's the real truth about the safety there well botox um, has been around um, and studied probably more than tylenol i believe and we used it medically uh, for something called strabismus. So its safety profile is proven with the white papers, a lot of research papers, um, and the dosing in which a um, adverse reaction would occur would be with a dosing that we use for spastic limbs, for example. And uh, we don't go anywhere near that for aesthetics. So it's rather safe. Mm-hmm. And what about fillers? What about things like fillers? Should people be concerned or what would you say to someone who's concerned about the safety of injecting a filler into their face? Well, um, we have the main ingredient for most of the fillers is hyaluronic acid, which we normally have in our skin. It gives Mm -hmm. us that nice plump and moisturized uh, look to our skin. And we lose, um, we lose that with sun exposure, with time, um, you know, some environmental stressors. And so it's, it is a good idea to replace that with hyaluronic acid, which is what most fillers are, or we can use a calcium base, which is what our skeletal muscle is, um, is comprised of. Um, so there are, they are really at the, at, the, at the core of them. They are natural substances that we normally find in the body. So they are safe. Um, however, it does depend um, on the safety is directly correlated with the experience of the injector as far as knowing the anatomy of the face. So tell me a little about that. What does that mean? Right. Oh, so, well, we, they should uh, ask the injector if they've taken a cadaver course, how prepared are they? Um, How have they prepared? Um, How have they trained? Um, And it should be a hands-on cadaver course. And, um, they should know where the blood vessels are so they don't inject filler into the blood vessels, um, know what the risks and benefits are, and let the patient know so they can decide for themselves whether or not they want to go through with it. 
Because as far as safety, if the injector hasn't had certain treat or a certain training, are you saying they could cause harm to the face or pain or what, what are the potential downsides of getting someone that isn't properly trained? Right. Well, if they inject um, into the improper level of the skin, like too deep or too superficial or in the wrong direction, they could inject um, into a blood vessel and the worst case scenario uh, one of them would be blindness, for example. They could become blind. Um, Jeez, that's right. Right, yeah. and so it is important to know, you know, who is injecting the filler and what they would do in, in an adverse reaction. If a person did experience an adverse reaction, uh, for example, knowing how to reverse it, if it can be reversed, um, knowing if they have a protocol in place and just, you know, overall just... Um, the fact that if they're if they are knowledgeable or not um, about anatomy and, and filler and um, placement. What kind, what would you suggest? So if your daughter was going to go look for an injector, let's say you were a master injector that you are, and she's like, mom, I'm going to go look for an injector. What criteria would you tell her to look for? Out of those questions, what would we be looking for to know that that was the proper training? Well, I would, I would tell my daughter to, first of all, like go to somebody that you're comfortable with, that they have the same vision as you do for your end goal. Like if you like natural and that injector is not known for that look, well, that's my first warning sign. And then I would ask about their actual training and they have to disclose that to you. Um, ask them how many hours of training they get every year for refreshers. Ask them if they um, went to hands-on courses and with whom and what they took away from that. You can ask that how many times they've done that procedure, um, what their, you know, what their outcomes are and if they've ever had any issues with, um, uh, blood vessel, um, getting the filler in it and what they've done, blindness, all those things they, they should disclose to you. Okay. And if they don't, you should just walk away. Just walk so, away. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's good advice because it is very intimidating. And I think, first of all, I wouldn't know that somebody could cause blindness or something like that. I think that if we're not exposed to that field, that the general knowledge of the understanding that I hear from other people would be, oh, I won't be able to have facial expressions because they'll freeze my forehead too much. Or mm -hmm. people are afraid of joker face, looking like a blowfish, that kind of thing. And would you say that that's a result of a not really well-trained injector when we see things like that? It could be. It's also um, sometimes a patient may seek out several injectors. It is ultimately the injector's responsibility to tell the patient that's enough. And um, that I don't that's think that this would, right, that this would suit you or would enhance your features. Um, okay. I think it's our responsibility as well. Mm -hmm. It's all technique, placement. Um, and just knowing that everyone has a different goal and a different face and the same um, technique and formula used on one patient will not necessarily apply to the next, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, respecting the face. Mm -hmm. I mean, nowadays, I think the injectors place their work on social media, um, mm -hmm. or at least are beginning to, I think, looking at their work. Mm -hmm. um, and just, I think, talking to them and seeing, um, you can ask them for their actual work as well. Most of them keep a portfolio around, mm -hmm. um, as well as personal references. If, if, for example, if a patient's in another city, I may um, refer a 
person that I may know in that city that I know mm -hmm. does good work to them. So ask your injector, you know, for other references as well. So what about for people who no matter what, they're just, it's not going to work for them. Like injectables is not going to work for them. What are mm -hmm. some treatments that they could do to improve their complexion or maybe the overall texture of their skin, if that's something they're concerned about without something that's um, invasive? There's, there's a lot of uh, new developments that we have. You have that the are best more... menu ever. <laughs> <Thank no>. you. <laughs> yeah, you're always like a smorgasbord of ideas. <laughs> no, it's a lot of fun, but um, there's lasers, uh, there's microneedling with energy, um, there's threads, thread lifts, mm -hmm. um, superficial to thicken the skin down deep um, with barbs to help to reapproximate the tissue, like kind of like a I could, they call it a mini face lift mm -hmm. or a brow lift. Um, there's, there are um, also internal treatments. I can do stem cells, um, vitamin um, well, Let's talk about that for a sec. What does stem cells and what's the difference between PRP and stem mm -hmm. cells? So PRP is when I take the patient's blood Mm -hmm. And I spin it in a centrifuge, which um, gets the, the bigger components, the heavier components of the blood to sink to the bottom. Mm -hmm. And then the, um, the thinner parts to, to rise to the top, which is the serum. And it looks gold. So we call it liquid gold. Um, mm -hmm. Just has five types of healing factors that I can then inject um, into um, different parts of the body, depending on what the patient wants to treat. For example... I can tr um, put it underneath the eyes to help thicken the skin. Mm -hmm. um, I can inject it into the scalp to help stimulate more hair growth. Mm -hmm. um, I can inject it into a knee to help uh, uh, build more collagen or, you know, just to alleviate some of the pressure on the, a knee that has lost cartilage. Mm -hmm. um, vaginal tissue, I, I mean, we can inject it there to help... Um, um, with the walls and getting them to thicken. Okay, so um, let's stop there for a sec because that sounds really uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. It's in not. That situa <laughs> that situation, how do you keep someone comfortable and do vaginal? So you're doing vaginal injections to help with the lubrication. Is that is that correct? Well, for women, especially um, perimenopausal or menopausal women, they mm -hmm. start to have... Um, um, dryness, um, pain, you know, when they have right. you know, relations and when one treatment that I like to do a combination treatment is a, a laser, um, internally into the yeah. vaginal tissue, and then I'll inject their PRP into the vaginal tissue. Wow. And that helps to thicken the tissue, um, mm -hmm. as well as to help with the lubrication as well. Some of that, um, sometimes women have incontinence, um, uh, mm -hmm. when they laugh, you know, they'll urinate a little bit. Oh, yeah. Um, it, sure. helps, it helps with that, too. Yeah. Oh, wow. So I know that what about or maybe I'm not sure if you're if you know this part, but when you're taking after chemotherapy hormone treatments like tamoxifen and aromatase inhibitors, um, having a vaginal atrophy or dryness is a major side effect of that. Right. When you're continuing to take that medicine, if you have this treatment, can it help? to, I mean, I, I'm, I'm imagining that it wouldn't completely reverse the effects of the drug that you're taking that causes it, but does it help with it, do you know? 
It does. It's the combination of the energy as well as the PRP um, to help to uh, that tissue to thicken. And, you know, it takes maybe two sessions or three sessions to see, you know, the most change and the most benefits, but it does definitely work. And it is very comfortable um, because internally we don't have as many nerve endings um, and we don't have pigment. So it, I can do this laser on any skin type, for example. So Interesting. Now, so the PRP is completely natural because you're getting it from your own body. You're taking your blood, spinning your blood. And then you said that you're injecting the liquid gold. It has five healing factors. Let me just say you've done under my eyes with PRP and in my hairlines. I loved it. And especially oh. <laughs> have a lot of friends who like that, that little side of their hair right over their temples. Is that a common area of thinning, but or something as we go into menopause, because I hear that a lot from my friends that my hair is thinning right here. And oh, yeah, it, is. Mm-hmm. it is. Okay. But PRP, you said, is not really stem cells, right? It's plasma-rich platelets. Or yes, that's correct. So they're, the stem cells are actually undifferentiated cells that can become anything, um, depending on what the body needs. It can become cardiac tissue. It could become kidney. It can become anything. It's not programmed to, do, to be anything yet. And so okay. we take this from a, um, a live birth um, during uh, typically um, cesarean, um, and they take it from the umbilical cord, which is the richest source. And um, I, I have my source from um, one of the companies, one of the largest companies in, in America that, does a, that has a third party test it, as well as screens the parents and the, before they even pull the yeah, stem cell. Mm, okay. So, yeah, highest quality. And then what would be the benefit of injecting stem cells? And do you do that in the face or how, what can that change or affect? So I, the most requested um, areas that I inject stem cells are I can mix it with the filler or I can get hyaluronic acid from the baby cord um, as well. Um, and inject that into the face and you'll get immediate results, but it's over the course of the next four to six months that the cells will then um, generate into whatever it is that we need. And typically in the face, that'll be more collagen, hyaluronic acid, whatever, you know, and whatever the body is lacking. And um, I also, yeah, I have, I put it into the scalp as well. And um, I've had great success with, um, hair regrowth, especially with patients that maybe had um, hair transplants that didn't quite take. So it knows when you inject that stem cell, let's say into some, let's say under the eyes, because I'm going to ask you about that in a minute too, like why we get that hollowness. But um, if you inject it under there, it would know, hey, I, we need more collagen here and become collagen. Right. Um, and part of it is because we're, used, we're using um, a needle or a cannula, which is a blunt needle to place the, the filler um, mm-hmm. or the, um, the stem cell. And we're causing some micro trauma underneath the skin, which in the body will come and repair. And, you know, consequently have the stem cell there ready to go. So. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Uh-huh. And so is that what happens as we get crepey skin of the eyes as we age and it gets 
thin or it hollows out? Or what about when we get big bags underneath our eyes, like puffy bags? Um, some of that, um, and I would just, I would look at the patient and see whether or not that would be a surgical, um, a surgical consult versus, mm -hmm. um, you know, just uh, an aesthetic treatment. Because um, okay. some of that can be genetic. So uh, for me, I personally like to just thicken the skin. I might place threads under there as well. Um, there's just d different things that we can do. Um, if it's too lax, meaning if I pinch it and, and it doesn't um, immediately spring back into place, they mm -hmm. probably wouldn't be a good um, candidate for fillers, for example. Oh, interesting. Okay. Now, I'm going to be going back and pinching my face after this. Is <laughs> Your ears are perfect. <laughs> <laughs> What about some lasers? So I see, it, you know, skin and pigmentation changes in the face are really common. Can laser treatments help that, or what? What are some different options? It depends on the skin, um, how much pigment is in the skin, which laser I'd use, and how long they've been off of chemo and/or radiation. Um, mm -hmm. So it's it's not, you know. Um, it's not black and white with that, but I do love a uh, great uh, a great laser to use is the CO2 laser, for example. Um, my patients that are fair skinned, fair eyed, they get the most beautiful results from that. They look almost um, filtered. Um, right. I mean, they're walking around with filter and no makeup on. Ooh, and, what it, uh, wait, yeah. why, why have we not done this yet? What? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so the downtime with that though is um, I've been able to take it down from two weeks to one week with the skincare that we have that stimulates elastin, which is another great uh, product for patients that have had uh, chemo and or radiation. Um, it's the elastin. only product. Uh -huh. it, it, the skincare. It, mm -hmm. Right, right. It's the only one that stimulates elastin, which we stopped uh, producing at three months old. Oh, wow. But you told me one time about a laser that you were getting in that goes all the way down to the layer of skin that would, or muscle, as if you were having a facelift. Right. Um, the microneedling one. Yeah. Is that what it is? Microneedling? Yeah. So that one's not, it's not a laser. It's a radio frequency. It is energy, but just not um, um, a collimated light, which is what the lasers are. And I use needles to place that energy precisely in the layer of skin that um, surgeons will pull up for facelift. And that layer is called the SMAS. Um, so that tightens the skin and then restructures the skin on top of it as well. Makes it wow. thicker. Every time I sit with you, I just want to get a recorder out and go, what, what? <laughs> so interesting. So let's, let's go back to what you said in the beginning, that you like to treat from the inside out and mm -hmm. take a holistic approach. And so I know that as a part of that treatment, you do vitamin therapies. And I have had that vitamin therapy at your place. It's amazing. That intravenous hydration is amazing. I've talked about it on the show before. So when I want to hear what you think about it and what are some great, how does it help our skin to get them? And two, is it becoming more common? Because when I'll talk to people about it, uh, oftentimes they'll say, you know, I've never heard of such a thing. And is it becoming common or where could people look to get that if they didn't live here in Southern California and had the opportunity to come and see you? <laughs> so it is becoming more um, commonplace, I think. Um, it's, it's very popular in Korea. 
Um, they use vitamin C and glutathione um, are very popular to suppress pigment, um, for, you know, to suppress sunspots from forming um, as okay. well as to brighten the skin. Okay. Um, and we have that at the clinic. So I like combining, I have some facials where the patient will be getting a facial and getting an IV treatment at the same time. Mm. Um, so inside mm -hmm. out. Yeah, they go out and then the next day they are just glowing from inside out. Um, I love that one because it's a vitamin C, the glutathione. I put in a little bit of biotin for the hair, skin, nails. Your hair grows a little bit faster um, mm -hmm. and healthier. Um, and then I'll just replace any other vitamins that the, the patient might be deficient in. How long does something like that last? And how frequently would you recommend doing it to really help rejuvenate the skin, especially postmenopausal? Right. Uh, well, um, the vitamins that I use are pretty much um, metabolized by the kidneys. So as long as the patient has uh, good functioning kidneys, they can have the treatment up to twice a week. Mm -hmm. um, most patients will just do it once a month with their facials. Um, mm -hmm. Personally, if I'm ill, um, you know, just, just feeling like I'm about to get sick, I'll mm -hmm. do it um, half a dose uh, every day. Um, and I find that my, my, my cold during the flu season will go from a two, so it's typically a two week down to three to four days. Mm. So, mm -hmm. um, but That's for the skin, yeah, amazing. sorry. No, yeah. it's amazing. That's amazing. And I agree with you. I've done the same thing. I, I just think that is the most incredible therapy ever. It's wonderful. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Mm -hmm. uh, and for the skin, it's the, the hydration, the vitamin C, the glutathione and the biotin um, are just, they really are game changers. Um, you get this glow um, that I've never had from any skincare products before. That's so cool. I, I agree. And I feel whenever I have those, I feel like I'm fluffy. You know, I feel like my skin filled in or something. It just feels mm -hmm. so much nicer after that. Can people do these treatments, these vitamin treatments while they're in treatment? What happens with that? It, does it depend on the patient? It depends on the patient. I would have them clear uh, the treatment with their oncologist always mm -hmm. just to be, be on the safe side. But there are studies um, and one of them is by, oh, it was by the National Cancer Institute, but mm -hmm. they find that high dose vitamin C um, given during the chemotherapy and for six months after the completion of the chemotherapy that the patients um, had fewer side effects from the chemo um, mm. and or had slower progression of the, of the disease. Um, and that study was done in 2014. Um, for me personally, I just, it, as long as it won't hurt the person, you know, and they have, you know, good kidney function, I do see that there is benefit to um, replacing vitamin C or any other nutrition nutrients that, um, that are typically depleted when we are in a state of illness. Mm -hmm. And what would be the difference between taking those vitamins orally versus taking them through an IV with hydration? No, that's such a good question. Um, <laughs> no, it is. I, I have that question um, quite, a, uh, quite a bit from some of my IV patients before they, you know, um, do a regular regimen. So I tell them, like, when you take a pill, um, you have to rely on your gut and your, your stomach to process it, then your gut to absorb it. 
and then it goes to the liver for more processing and then hopefully to the cells. Um, but if you do it into um, an IV or sometimes into a muscle, uh, it is immediately bioavailable. So um, you're not, you're not um, leaving it up to chance how much you're going to ab uh, absorb. Especially if you're undergoing something like chemotherapy, which we know tears up the digestive tract, then you don't mm -hmm. have to worry about what's actually being absorbed as much. You know that you're getting the full benefit of having that vitamin put right into your bloodstream. That's a good point. Yes, I agree. Yeah. Look, you know what? Let's talk about facials for a sec. So okay. if you look at facials like a um, girl's day out, right? Oh, let's go get facials because it'll feel so nice. But how beneficial are facials really? I know you have a wide menu of different facials. I even saw one that had gold in it. Right. Yeah. What is, what is a facial really doing for us? And how frequently would be a good skincare regimen for facials? Oh, that's, that's also a great question. So it depends on um, what the issue is, whether it's acne, um, skin, if it's dull, um, you know, wrinkles, the, uh, hyperpigmentation, as mm -hmm. well as the actual ingredients and application of those ingredients during the facial. So we offer uh, pretty much medical grade facials. Um, there has to be somebody on site that has a medical license in order to um, deliver uh, the, these facials that we have, as well as our peels. Um, for example, yeah. So for somebody that, like, let's say they want to come in for a facial and they've had, they're on chemo or have radiation, for example. We have, we have specific things that we can use um, that are gentle enough um, to provide some hydration um, you know, kind of just calm the skin. Um, if somebody's coming in for acne, I have prescription, uh, prescri actual prescription grade um, skincare to treat mm -hmm. it, as well as lasers. So yeah, it really did, I have a laser facial, for example. Um, so awesome. yeah, they are beneficial, and I would say at least once a month. So it's not just a, a superficial, like that felt great today, let's go get facials and go to lunch and have a glass of champagne. But with regular facials, especially medical grade facials, you can see some long-term change in the skin. Is that right? Right, right. Because we're, con we're helping the skin to turn over or calm the inflammation that can damage the skin. So just the different issues that we're addressing will help to just preserve the skin. So let's just clarify that your clinic is a medical spa. Right. That's correct. Okay. So what would be the difference between going to a place like yours that is a medical spa and that requires someone with a medical license versus just going and getting a facial um, at, well, something that isn't a medical spa, just at a regular cosmetologist, I guess, or esthetician? It would be with the actual active ingredients that we're able to use. Okay. Um, they are, you'll get to your, uh, your um, skincare goal uh, much faster um, because we're using higher concentrations um, because these certain things are, um, have to have, we have to actually prescribe them or be able to prescribe them and to use them um, on the patient because there are su such high percentages. It's just nice to know that 
there are those options out there. Right. Me, I don't want to look like a Barbie doll, but I want to have a nice natural reflection of myself to the outer world that aligns with the way that I perceive myself, right? I want to look the way I think that looks nice on me. And I can do that with gentle, safe treatments that just preserve the youthfulness of your skin, the youthfulness of your appearance without making you look like a blowfish or a Barbie doll, right? Right, right. I think that's really important to know and know that your options out there are something that's as high quality as a medical spa and that you can go to that there are licensed medical professionals there treating you that really understand and know, well, especially if you go to Lee's medical spa, because <laughs> she knows her stuff. I know it's like, do I want to let the secret of Lee out into the world or keep her all for myself? <laughs> Thank you. But yeah, I mean, it's really, really nice to know. And I mean, you're just incredibly talented. And I think that the work that you do is so wonderful because like I said, so many women have issues with self-esteem or self-image. And I think, I know there's, there's controversy. People are like, oh, that's fake or grow old naturally or whatever. And that's fine. Everybody has a right to their own opinion. But I think if it makes you feel better about yourself and it makes you feel more confident about putting yourself out into the world in whatever way that is, then that's a great service, right? That's doing something really beneficial for other people. And I like that. I agree. And there's actually a study that um, they did with Botox. Um, some patients that had um, that had clinical depression as a um, as one of you know one of the things they were going through, and it was resistant to any treatment. You know, mm-hmm. um, as far as um, medication and therapy, that they did just a little bit. I know it's 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 I don't know. I found it interesting. I'll take mm-hmm. it with a grain of salt, but they, when they did the aesthetic treatment, the Botox, they actually felt better and had a more positive outlook. So there is that whole feel good, look good, or look good, feel mm-hmm. good. Yeah. Connection. Yeah. A hundred percent there is. And you know, with a lot of breast cancer treatment centers, they have a program that's called look good, feel good. And there are classes that will, they'll do it at, breast clinics or cancer centers where they teach women who are going through chemotherapy, like how you can apply makeup, how you can wear whatever it is that they want to wear, scarves or hats or earrings or false eyelashes to help them feel more confident about themselves. And you can say it's superficial, but a superficial is, you know, on the surface of something, right? And on the surface of our bodies, we like to, like I was saying, reflect the way that we feel inside. And right. when we don't, I think when we're not aligned with the way that we want to present ourselves in the world, that it undermines our confidence to some extent, at least. So yeah, hundred percent. I mean, let's admit it. If, if women didn't want to look good, it wouldn't be a billion dollar cosmetic industry. We all wouldn't be sitting in quarantine going, when are the nail salons going to open? <laughs> when can yeah. I get my hair done? I mean, come on, you know? <laughs> I can't wait. (laughs) There's a little bit of truth to all those memes that are going around, right? Right. It's a big industry for a good reason. We like to look the way we want to look. And that's what helps us to feel good about ourselves, you know? I agree. Uh, Okay, so let's talk about dissolving fat. 
Ah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? So we like to tighten skin. We like to fill skin. But we can get that double chin oh, or fatty chub thighs or just parts of our body that we're not comfortable with that are super stubborn, that won't go away no matter how good you take care of yourself and it drives you crazy. What can be done about stubborn little pockets of fat? Okay, so there's a lot of, there's, there's several things we can do. Um, there's one that I've, I've actually done in the past on patients, but I don't really like called Sculpture. It's basically a laser that finds the fat and it's just really hot and uncomfortable. Um, but there's another one that my patients tolerate very well um, called Cool Sculpting that I have at the clinic. I love that. Um, done it on myself and my family. Of course, all you know, my patients love it. Um, that one freezes the fat, and then um, it it causes them to become so um, damaged enough that they die in an organized manner, and then the body just gets rid of it um, over the course of two months. Um, and I like to do that to bulk reduce areas, like for example, my problem area is like the lower stomach, you know, the lower abdomen or that mm -hmm. area um, mm -hmm. that's always stubborn, um, especially after having children. And, mm -hmm. um, and then after that's gone or almost gone, just to refine it, they can in, I can inject something called Kybella. Mm -hmm. And um, that is what's normally in our bodies as well. Um, we, but now they found a different purpose for it. We inject that into the fat, same thing, damages the fat cells, and then the body gets rid of the fat. And these are both permanent um permanent. once it's gone it's gone mm -hmm. okay so you said kybella is something that's already in our body mm -hmm. in our gallbladders mm -hmm. in our gallbladder oh, okay okay so the cool sculpting freezes and so tell us what that looks like do you sit in how do you freeze it mm -hmm. So there's a, a different head for different parts of the body just to be able to um to contour to the body. And mm -hmm. for example, my, my number one area would be probably the abdomen, just the front portions of it, upper and mm -hmm. lower. Mm -hmm. um, the next area would be underneath the chin. You know, there's oh, that. So you that can that do it under the chin. All right, exactly. Okay. You can do that. Mm -hmm. And then the other area is the flanks. And then probably inner and outer thighs, kind of like, you know, last place, but people like to do that as well. And so the patient just sits there for 35 minutes with the applicator and it sucks it, the fat up into this um, kind of, it's a little vacuum. And mm -hmm. then it takes it down to a certain temperature. The patient mm -hmm. first feels really cold and then it goes numb. And then they're just watching Netflix and we have snacks there um, wow. in the room. Yeah. And so it's for not painful. Um, the, no, they just feel numb. And um, then after that, we take them, take it off. 35 minutes, take it off, and we massage the area. Now, that part is where it can be a bit tender, so we have options. We have laughing gas. Um, most patients get through Always it. Always a good fine. option. <laughs> yeah, just to, just to be comfortable. But most people tolerate it fine. Uh -huh. so. And how many treatments does it usually take if you have a stubborn pocket of fat that you want to get rid of? Depends on how much there is to be to get rid of, but you can get rid of about 25% with each session of mm. cool sculpting okay. permanently. Mm -hmm. And then with Kybella, is it only used to finish off like the last little bits of fat or can you use Kybella for other things as well? 
Um, it's it was tested um, by the FDA on you know FDA studies underneath the uh, chin, but I've used it on myself and as well as my patients and um, a lot of other practitioners as well. Um, off they call off label because it wasn't tested in that area, um, but I do it for the jowls. Um, that mm-hmm. bra fat, that little piece of fat that just comes through the sheath dresses, you know, mm-hmm. um, get rid of, get rid of that little thing, the one on the back, the one in the front, you know, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. it's great for inner thighs as well. Um, oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh. Um, and also that little banana roll right beneath the buttocks, like right there underneath the glute. Just the banana that. roll. I love it. Right. <laughs> get rid of that. We're so free to be muffin tops and banana rolls and I don't- <laughs> Getting hungry. No. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And when you first told me about Kybella, I was like, what? I mean, something that actually melts fat. That's amazing. What about the texture of your skin? Does your skin tighten with it or do you end up having loose skin? So we combine our packages with something, uh, another um, elastin product, which is called Body uh, a Transform. And, and so what we do is right after, um, we take off the applicator, we rub it in while we're massaging and the patient goes home with it as well. Um, that one is known to tight, to help tighten the skin as well as I think it's by increases fat loss by another 40% compared to if it wasn't done. Wow. Yeah. Like the difference. Uh Yeah. That's really awesome. What about the back of the arms? As women age, a lot of times that they're not working out, especially in keeping up um, some lean body mass in their arms and they get that saggy skin in the back of their arms. Is there anything that can be done with that? Yeah, there's um, a couple of things. I like to combine, you know, different therapies. I can put some smooth threads in there um, and or Sculptra or Radius diluted. Um, and these are different products that help to stimulate um, collagen production and tighten the skin. How long does something like that last? It was studied for two years before they you know, stopped studying it so they can start selling it. But at two years, they found that there was, there was no reduction. Um, so it's, it's thought to last longer than two years. My patients have reported to me that um, it's lasted them between five and eight years when used in like... Um, for like a butt augmentation, for example, like in large okay. quantities. Mm-hmm. Good. Yeah. And so the threads you were saying you can do that in the back of the arm. So that thread is you inject it just underneath the skin and you just kind of pull it back up, right? It's just an instant lift. You can do that. And then the smooth ones that thicken the skin, I can use lasers. I can use sculpture. There's a lot of different tools. Yes. So many tools. You have quite the toolbox. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Lee, because I just wanted to really, I mean, again, I'm always amazed when I talk to you and I'm like, oh, I need to go get a second job and start a Lee fund over here because you have so many (laughs) cool things to offer. And I just wanted to get you out there in the world and let other women know, like, if there's things that bother you, it's okay to fix them. Like, it's okay to do something to make yourself feel good about yourself. And there's tons of options and they don't have to be scary and they don't have to be super invasive. And we didn't really talk a lot about downtimes with a lot of these procedures, but it seems like you know, with most of them, we're talking a couple of days to the maximum a couple of weeks. Is that right? 
Yeah, um, I think yeah, a couple of weeks for the for the most invasive, like a like a laser that would yeah, exactly. I, I agree with you with that. And when we say downtime, does that really mean don't go out in public downtime, stay in bed downtime, you're gonna be a little pinker than you normally are? What does that really mean? Well, the, for the first week, definitely, it's, it's, they don't, they're not going to want to do their normal social activities for mm -hmm. some of the lasers. But after that, it's pretty much you can cover it up with makeup. Mm -hmm. um, it's just you don't want to, like a, to plan a big social event during that time where you have to look your very best. Right. So plan ahead, because especially if you're going to do any kind of an injectable, you want to make sure that you plan ahead because you may have some bruising, right? It right, could happen. Right. What about things like Botox or things that make the skin smoother? Those also take a few days to a couple of weeks before you see the effects of them. Is that right? Right. It depends on the neurotoxin. We have four of them that are um, FDA cleared in, in the U.S. But typically um, anywhere from 48 hours up to seven to 10 days to kick okay. in. Yeah. And that can also be used for perspiration and sweating. So if you have right? And using the neurotoxins that if you have right. palms or a sweaty head or anything like that, that you don't like, you can use them to reduce the sweating. Yeah. For sweating, for migraines, it's used for migraines. So lots of different applications. Oh, wow. And how long is it usually effective for migraines? If you can get relief from that. Mm -hmm. A lot of the patients will go back every two to three months. Um, I tell them just to go to their neurologist for that, just because typically covered by insurance. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. so neurologists will actually do the injections if they have migraines. Yeah, because they'll. But we can do them. It's just I'd rather you know have them go there for that. Sure. Um, yeah, I'll do the I'll do the face and <laughs> the neurologist. Can <laughs> they the can scalp, do the so. the rest of the stuff. <laughs> sure. Awesome. Okay. Well, thank you so much for making the time to be here. I'm going to put out your contact information, your website, all of that, and it'll also be on the show notes for this episode so that people can find you. And it's been awesome. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me, Laura. It's a pleasure. All right, my ladies. I hope you heard something, anything that gave you a little bit of insight into anything that you might be struggling with, with your skincare or options that are out there that might be something that sounds attractive to you and feels safe and comfortable for you. I, as I said in the introduction, could listen to this woman forever. She just knows so much. I always take a notebook and pen with me when I'm talking to her because I always learn something when I'm with Lee. Now, obviously, everyone doesn't live in Southern California and have access to her physically in Chino Hills. But for those of you who hear this and do and are interested in any kinds of facials or lasers or vitamin therapies or treatments, I could not recommend her more. She's an amazing woman with the highest standards of safety and service. I just can't say enough great things about her. You know, I don't trust myself and my health and my care to anyone who I don't have complete respect for, and I have complete respect for this woman. So if you're someone who doesn't have access to her and some of these things sound interesting to you, at least it gives you some direction that you can use to explore and ask questions of other injectors to make sure that you feel safe and confident and to understand the difference between treatments we can get at a local facial place compared to medical grade treatments that are available for you. 
So I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got something out of it that inspires you and gives you a little bit of hope for anything that may have been troubling you that you'd like to tend to. All right, so before we go, two things. Have you left a review for the show yet? I would love it. If you're listening on iTunes or on a a smartphone, you can just scroll right down to the bottom where you're listening to this podcast and click on rate and click on review. It's super easy. It helps the show so much. And I would greatly, greatly appreciate it if you enjoy the show, if you could do that. And the second thing is, please go to the website, thebreastcancerrecoverycoach.com forward slash sugar and take advantage of the gift of the sugar challenge. Do something good for yourself. Do something mindful, get in touch with yourself and really get your head wrapped around a different way to think about food and the choices you make with food and the power you have over those choices. Okay. I would love to see you in the sugar challenge Facebook group and until next week, be good to yourself and expect others to be good to you as well. Take care. You've put your courage to the test Laid all your doubts to rest Your mind is clearer than before Your heart is full and wanting more Your future's at the door Give it all you got No hesitating You've been waiting all your life This is your moment